He's the man. <laughs> it's awesome, funny, random, doesn't make any sense, but it's good. Prepare yourself. Okay, let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Binge Buster Show. I am so excited about this week's show as my good friend Chris Plano and I are going to be breaking down uh, a couple of our um, favorite albums. Uh, we're going to talk about those albums and and how they um, and how they transpired over the years. And uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so right now, uh, at, and also fans, at the beginning of the show, um, as you heard uh, me me play the um, America the Beautiful with my uh, with my with my favorite person in the world. I'm talking about my son William. Uh, reciting his edition of um, uh, the uh, the the uh, Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States uh, over the weekend Memorial weekend, his mother and his grandmother uh, they went down to uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and he was at one of the naval bases there, and there was an American flag, and he had to uh, stand in front of the flag and do the Pledge of Allegiance, and my my wife was able to get that on video. Uh, but the the wind it was very windy that day, so that's kind of the noise that you were hearing in the background but um but I, I i definitely wanted to share it with everyone because i thought it was so cool that a five-year-old um would and it was his idea to to go and uh, do this pledge of allegiance um so I, I think that's that's pretty amazing uh but right now i want to bring in my my co-host i'm talking about mr chris plano chris what is going on my friend Tony, thank you for having me back on. I'm so looking forward to this week's program. And uh, I know we've gone back and forth week to week talking professional wrestling, rock and roll, and and back and forth. But tonight we're going to talk some rock and roll albums from the 70s and 80s. And I am so excited. William has done a great job this week. I'm so glad to have him on board. What What a great kid. Memorial Day weekend and what a lot of excitement and spunk in him. He did a great job, and he's on board with us this week. Yeah, it was it was, it was so exciting. I, I told him uh, the, today, I said, hey, buddy, I'm going to put you on my podcast. And he's like, no, nah, Dad, when you record your podcast, I'll be in bed. I'm like, I know you'll be in bed, buddy, but I said, but your voice is going to be on Dad's podcast, and it's going to be – it's going to be something else, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So, uh, so I, I definitely had to put him on there because uh, I mean, you know, not many five-year-old kids would be like, you know, at a at a naval base or some or someplace like that and see an American flag and be like, "Mom, record me doing the national anthem." Or, or I'm sorry, the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, and you know, Will, William takes Taekwondo. So they they inspire him, you know, um, you know, before they start the classes. That's the first thing they do is that you know they um, they bow and then of course they uh, they all all in all in unison uh, do the pledge of allegiance and uh, he's he's picked up on it and uh, you know he's he's a very patriotic kid and I'm I'm pretty proud I'm pretty proud that you know to be his dad. So that's 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 a lot of fun. But Chris well, Memorial Day weekend. Yep. Uh, it's came and gone, but man, I, I know I talked to you, you, you had some festivities going on. I wasn't able to be there, but man, how was your Memorial weekend? Man, Tony had a great Memorial Day weekend. You know, obviously we're still under the COVID-19 pandemic and uh, still some semi-stay at home orders here throughout the state of North Carolina and, and, and Charlotte and surrounding areas are, are no exception to it. But hey, we made the best of it. NASCAR rolled through town here in Charlotte. They ran the Coca-Cola 600 and several other races here this weekend. So NASCAR definitely had their footprint in the area. Uh, I actually had some people over here on uh, Sunday night. We had a, a cookout on my back deck and watching the race and playing some 80s rock music that we're going to talk about tonight. And uh, really enjoyed it. It was great weather. And I, I can't believe the year's rolling by. We're rolling into the summer and, and, and June is is, is staring down our, our, our necks here. And um, it was just a great weekend. And, um, you know, we're going to keep moving on, but we're going to get through all this together. And 
it's going to just be one week at a time with this pandemic, but I think it's that at the end we're going to come out better on the other side. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, you know, uh, Governor Cooper opened up our, our great state of North Carolina last Friday. Uh, so uh, now, you know, we're starting to, um, you know, to, to, to push forward. And, uh, and, uh, and I'm hoping, you know, I'm not, I'm not holding my breath. I know we've talked about this several times, but um, um, I know every summer, Chris, you and I always attend a few concerts together. And, uh, and, you know, this year, I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I thought, well, if we can't, if we can't go to a concert together, let's sit down on our podcast today, uh, take a little break from wrestling, um, and talk about our other favorite pastime. And I'm talking about concerts, music, and I thought you and I could break down a couple of our all time favorite albums, um, and kind of give the people at home a little background on each album. Um, and uh, basically, we are going to uh, bringing back the old school sounds. We are definitely going to be bringing back the old school sounds this week, fans, as we are going to be talking about two of our favorite albums. So uh, get ready. Coming up in just a second, Chris and I are going to break down two of our all-time favorite albums. Strap yourself in because we're set up, switched on, and ready to go. All right, Chris, we are back, man. Uh, breaking down our two favorite, two of our favorite albums of all time. Uh, I thought we'd start off with you. Give, give, give us one, a couple of your favorite albums that 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 you've enjoyed over the years that that kind of stand the test of time with you. Well, well, Tony, when when I think about favorite albums, I'm like, wow, where where do I go with this? There's just so many. As me growing up as a kid in the '70s and into the eighties and, 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 and it's the nineties and it's like, wow, where, where do you start? There's so many to choose. And you, you gave me two and I'm like, okay. So I kind of picked two that were really totally opposite of each other. But the one that I did pick kind of really, uh, um, blends in well with the two that you selected this evening as well. But the, the first one I'm going to pick is really kind of my, I'm going to say my off-the-board one. And it's, it's got to be one of my favorite bands of all time. And it's U2 off the Joshua Tree album, which was a huge album for them. It was their fifth studio album released in March of 87. And they were really springboarding U2 off of the MTV explosion in music television and really off of two prior albums that they made prior to coming onto the Joshua Tree, they really went to a totally different level with the amount of hits off of this album. And I know you know a lot of the songs, Tony. I mean, you, With or Without You was a giant mega hit for them. Still haven't found what I'm looking for, where the streets have no name. The list goes on and on. It hit number one in the U.S. And it, it, it was just, it, it, it was everywhere. And, I mean, from front to back, it was a completely hit album that they followed up 30 years later and ran the Joshua Tree Tour in 2017 and played the whole album from city to city. Oh, wow. That, that is awesome. Yeah, you know, uh, back in the 80s, I... I guess the probably probably the very first U two song that I ever heard was that was uh, I still haven't found what I'm looking for uh, that and like you said that was a major hit um, that album or I'm sorry that single uh, was actually released what May I think May the 25th 1987 um, and and it was a, a huge hit of U two and you know U two is a lot like a lot of other bands that we like. It's like their music stands the test of time. It always sounds no no matter what year or what decade that you listen to their music, um, it still sounds fresh and new. A- absolutely. I mean, they were coming. Literally, the band was coming off of their Unforgettable Fire tour from eighty four into eighty five. And if if you remember way back then, when U two played uh, uh, Live Aid in 85, that's when they truly, really exploded um, onto the music scene. And it's not even a little prior to that, but this album took them to that next level. I mean, you saw those videos continuously on MTV and 
on and just on radio in general. And they really springboard off that album. I mean, the album was just so huge. I don't think the band even realized how big it was. And that really catapulted them into the stadium tour industry. I was very, very lucky to see them play in New Haven, Connecticut in September of 87. Uh, one of my first concerts I ever saw as a kid. Um, and I didn't realize to... I went to the concert of how dark the album was from a musical standpoint. Because even though it was portrayed as this great album for you two, they had a lot of dark songs and lyrics within the album that really caught me off guard. And you needed to be there in person to really experience that, what you were seeing off of television. Right, yeah, for sure. I mean... U2 was like, I mean, just just like you said, they 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 blew up, um, you know, in '87. Really, uh, after their '85 tour, uh, that that really put them on the charts. And and they were anytime you turn on the radio, um, you know, they were that you know that they, they were being played. Absolutely, and and just a couple other songs I want to note off the album. I know we talked about where streets have no name, with or without, you know, still so I'm looking for. But even Bullet the Blue Sky was a, a really a good semi-hit off the album that they kept in the set list for several tours after that. Running to Stand Still, Red Hill Mining Town, and In, in God's Country. Actually, In God's Country got some very good radio play, um, kind of underneath all the other hits, especially on the rock stations. But, I mean, 11 songs off the album, and... You know, three of them were, were classic hits that really exploded everything else that they did um, beyond that. And, and it was really worldwide phenomenon from them. And then from there, they just went on to even do beyond more stadium tours and a lot more tours. And they toured as recently as just last year. Right, yeah. Um, coming off of the Joshua Retreat Tour in 2017, they were still doing some second and third leg shows as recently as just a year ago. So they're, they're still going and very predominant in, in, in the music industry that have, they really have stand the test of time. Yeah. I mean, they really have. And, uh, and, and that's, that's one of the things I like about you two is the fact that, um, that, that they definitely have, you know, stood the test of time. Um, and, and like you said, they were, they were still touring last year and I'm sure if it wasn't for the coronavirus, they would probably be out on tour, uh, you know, right now, you know, uh, for sure. Absolutely. And and really one thing to, you know, really say about the band, and you could talk about the bands and we could talk about bands for eons, Tony, all night tonight, but it's still the original four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got Bono, The Edge on guitar, Bono on lead vocals, The Edge on guitars. You got Adam Clayton still on bass guitar. And Larry Mullen Jr. on the drums, it's the original four. And not many bands can claim that today, that it's still the original members of the band. And I think that's what keeps the draw for them, for the fans, both young and old. Yeah, I I totally agree. And uh, that was was definitely a great album of choice, Chris. I'm glad that you you mentioned that one. Like I said, that was one of my, uh, probably my absolute favorite YouTube albums. album so definitely uh, i enjoyed that one um well that was a good one to kind of break into the evening and i, I thought it was a good one because i i really know from here i think we're leaning a really rock and roll for the rest of the night yeah it's yeah yeah now it's it's going to be uh wide open and with uh sex drugs rock and roll debauchery uh i'm sure at some point tonight chris and i are going to be breaking down some some real Heavy metal, Hollywood glam metal. So we'll get to that in a minute. But my uh, my first album choice uh, is I, I love the album cover of this album. Um, it was it was I mean it was really cool looking. Um, but the, the 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 songs on the album were even were even cooler. Um, so the first album I'm choosing was Kiss Rock and Roll Over. Uh, the album was released on November the 11th, 1976. I was about two years old, so I didn't get to listen to this album until I was at least probably 14 or 15 when I first uh, found it. But um, 
but man, what a great album! Um, it, it was recorded uh, from uh, from September to October 1976. Took them about a month, two months to uh, to put this album together. Uh, it was on the label of Casablanca, uh, and the producer was Eddie Creamer. Um, on that album, uh, of course, it was still the original members of Kiss. I'm talking about Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Peter Chris, and Ace Frehley. Um, really good songs. Um, you know, a song that that uh, one of the songs off this album that that still when you go see Kiss play, if you don't if the, if Gene doesn't doesn't play the song, you feel like you got ripped off. I'm talking about calling Doctor Love. Uh, that song was definitely uh, that that song screams rock and roll because it's all about you know getting lucky at the end of the night or whatever. But uh, some really good songs. Hey, and this was uh, incidentally, I believe, uh, one of the first albums that you um, got to hear. Um, actually, I'm sorry. Uh, I think it was maybe the second album of Kiss where uh, you actually didn't get you. It wasn't just Paul and Gene singing, uh, but uh, also. Um, uh, Peter Chris uh, sings the the ballad um, "Hard Luck Woman," uh, which uh, turned out to be a uh, Paul Stanley actually wrote the song, but uh, Gene thought that Peter Chris would would his voice sounded better for the lyrics, uh, and I have to agree. I mean that is definitely a uh, a Peter Chris song, and um, and you know and it was a good album, uh, but the album cover uh, is like I said one of the things that really caught my eye because it's like. It looks like this big fireball rolling down the road, and you got all the members of Kiss in there. And uh, man, it just the album cover just really catches your eye. Um, the the length of the album thirty three minutes eighteen seconds. Um, Hard luck woman uh, was was Peter Chris's uh, next uh, single, although um, it did not uh, do the success that Beth did on the prior album uh, Destroyer. Um, but definitely, um, Hard Luck Woman was definitely uh, one of those good tunes. And later on in the years, uh, Chris, if you remember, when Kiss done the, um, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, it wasn't Kiss, uh, other artists put out an album. It's like a tribute to Kiss. It's called Kiss My Ass. But Peter, um, um, Garth Brooks does a rendition of Hard Luck Woman, and it sounds really cool as well. Really? I did not know that. Yeah, that I al- did not know. Yeah, that album came out like in the mid '90s, I believe. But uh, it was mm-hmm. like a tribute album to Kiss, and they had all these different artists were on there. Mm. Um, but the only, I mean, the only thing I really remember from the album was um, was uh, uh, Garth Brooks doing "Hard Luck Woman," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> and the, you know, because Garth Brooks is coming off of you know "Friends in Low Places," and now here he is singing "Hard Luck Woman," and I was like, "I got to check this out." And it, it, it definitely sounded cool. Right. I liked it. Um, you know, Chris, any, any any memory from you or what, what your thoughts are on the Rock and Roll I, Over album? I, I mean, a, a great album for Kiss. It was their fifth studio album, released in 76, like you said already. The great thing about this album, I, I, I mean, again, and I was only five years old when this album was, was released um, for Kiss, but on their final tour the last several years here, on the end of the road tour, and if you've looked at their set list, it's placed smack dab. Calling Doctor Love is placed number ten on the set list every single night on the end of the road tour of their twenty-one song set, mm-hmm. and it really, I think, Tony and, and I know you were in in Charlotte last August. I saw him last August. I saw him just February a, a few months ago in South Carolina. It really sets Gene up for the remainder of the show because he plays War Machine. Eight, where he breathes the fire and all that good stuff. That's what the people want to see. Then they go into Lick It Up, yeah, which is the explosion of the night. I mean, you know, everyone wants to hear Lick It Up. And then they go into Calling Dr. Love. So really turning it back to that album, because it is probably one of the only songs they play off of that album for the night and, and, and really acknowledging the album for what it was worth for them in the mid-70s. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, calling Dr. Love, I know that Kiss has done several different variations of that song. Um, the first time I ever heard calling Dr. Love, I was actually, growing up as a kid, uh, my, like I've mentioned this before in my podcast, but I grew up in a home where my, my parents um, 
didn't really care much for rock and roll, and they watched a lot of tele, you know, watched a lot of stuff on television, and uh, they were under that impression that you know rock and roll was going to send you to hell, and if you listen to it, you're going to die and you burn, and the seven demons from hell are going to come pick you up. And but it was really cool because um, as I when I was like um, I think I was in eighth grade. Uh, seventh grade. No, I was in eighth grade. Eighth grade. Um, and Kiss came out with their compilation album. Um, uh, oh man, what was the name of the album? It was um, Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits. And it was like a little greatest hits album, but they also recorded a couple of new tracks. Um, actually three tracks because um, they they had let's let's put the X in sex. Uh, you make me rock hard, and then Eric Carr done a rendition of Beth. Um, and they recorded, and it was a really cool album. But on that album uh, was "Calling Doctor Love," and that was the first time that I heard that heard that song. And I was like, "My man, this song is really cool." Um, and then, of course, I started getting more into Kiss because I really didn't even listen to Kiss until uh, "Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits" came out. Uh, like, like I, I had listened to a little bit of Kiss, but because of my parents, uh, more or less my mother, um, you know, kind of you know, kayfabe and kiss to me. Um, I didn't really know a lot of kiss songs other than rock and roll all night. I mean, who don't know that one, you know, the most popular right. kiss song ever, but that was really the only kiss song I knew. And then, um, you know, I got the album and got turned on to, to, um, you know, calling Dr. Love. And then from that moment on, I just started doing research and I was like, Oh, it came out in 76. Here it is. 88. When I got this, this song. And even then, you know, Calling Doctor Love did not sound like a seventy song. It sounded like an eighty song, and it was a you know. And and now here we are in two thousand twenty, and nothing's changed. I mean, it's still Calling Doctor Love. If like I said, if you go to a Kiss show and if you don't hear Calling Doctor Love, you feel like you were ripped off. And and I, I'm I'm and I'm glad and I'm glad that you know that 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 Kiss you know keeps that song in their set list because uh, it's definitely you know definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, I just did check. The end of the road tours. It seems like that is the only song off of that album that is in the set list. But it seems on the end of the road tour, they're trying to pay tribute to almost as many albums as they can. But that seems to be the one selection off of that album. And uh, Gene just paying testament to the history of Kiss. Yeah, and Chris, you know, a couple of things I want to touch on this album. You know, before we move on to the next one uh one of the things if you go back and look at some of these album titles and listen to some of the lyrics in these songs man these songs were like written you could take these songs and and be a hellacious wrestling heel with these songs especially like love them and leave them i I could hear right now rick flair cutting a promo saying you know i love them and i leave them you know and uh and you know meet me in the ladies room and uh and i want you and take me and uh but all those songs man if you go back and listen to them uh with the exception of a hard luck woman um most songs on that album had a lot of sexual innuendos and you know that was the life of Kiss back in the seventies. You know that's that's you know I've I've heard Gene say multiple times. You know so many rock stars got strung out on drugs and alcohol, but he never drank and he never done drugs. Uh, he would you know I've heard him say um, you know I, he goes my life in those days there was only two things that mattered the stage and girls <laughs> and I did it every night and you know and you know what a life that Gene Simmons has has led and lived and you know here we are several years later and Gene's in his seventies and he's still you know rocking it out every night so um, so I'm you know like I said I, I thought this was a really cool uh, Kiss album to break down and uh, now now. Moving on, your next album. I, I, I can I know what you've picked. You already told me, and man, I love this album too. Tell us about it. I I mean, Tony, I had to pick it. I I think if I didn't pick it, you might have thought something was wrong with me <laughs> if I didn't pick this one. But you, you know, beside you two growing up as a teenager, I, I'm gonna have to say my most favorite band. I would say on the rock side, it had to be. Poison invading the glam metal scene and really springboarding off of MTV a couple of years after its creation with Look What the Cat Dragged in album. Um, my parents had a love-hate relationship with Poison. I'm going to be honest with you because they were like, you're watching 
four guys dressed up as women. All right. <laughs> Literally with makeup and, 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 and uh, lipstick on and mascara and eyeliner and blush and everything else. And to my parents, it was like a shock. Like, what's going on here? Like this. Right. You know, they're like into back then they were into like, you know, Madonna and the Rolling Stones and like, what's this? Right. You know, yeah. and, and, um, and I just loved it. And what a great album for, for, for Poison. Um, their debut studio album, I mean, August of 86, they hit it at the right time and had some of their biggest hits off of this album with one no bigger than talk dirty to me. I mean, let's, oh, let's, yeah. let's not That's, even, yeah. they had several others, but that is their song. And I want action. I won't forget you. Um, cry tough. Another one as well, though they don't mm-hmm. play that much in live, uh, you know, on tour anymore. And, uh, Hey, it, it went certified gold for them and three times platinum, uh, multi-platinum. I mean, and it's one of the, Number two in the Rolling Stone magazine's top fifty greatest hair metal albums of all time. I mean, they this this album springboarded, springboarded, you know, Brett Michaels, Bobby Dahl, CC Deville, and Ricky Rocket into glam metal. Oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, and not only that, but just like the you know Motley Crue and Quiet Riot, uh, Poison came from you know the gutters of Hollywood. Uh, and as a matter of fact, on, on one of their uh, Poison's live albums, uh, the, uh, the the person in, introducing them to the to the to the people, he says, "From the gutters of Hollywood, California, here they are, right. the glam <laughs> slam kings of noise, Poison, and right. and definitely they are." And and I rem- and, and and Chris, yeah, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, but I, I I feel in my heart and I believe. That uh, that when um, uh, when when you when you talk a poison and you think of a, a poison song, there's there's only two songs that will come to your mind, and and it's probably the two most popular songs ever. Number one is going to be "Talk Dirty to Me." When you know when 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 you go see Poison live and 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 they play these two songs, these are the two songs that that the crowd has bought tickets to see or to hear. And that's talk right. dirty to me, and every rose has its thorn. Though those those are have, to my opinion, are Poison's two top songs. Um, I may be yeah. wrong, but but I, I, that's that's what I feel. Um, yeah, no, no, no. You, you, you're you're right, and they had many good hits. Yeah. I mean, but talk dirty to me. That's like the you know every guy wants to hear it. Yeah. And it's the song every girl doesn't want to hear, but they want to hear it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> At the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, every rose, listen, we all know this, Tony, every song in the eighties, mid to late eighties had the ballad. Oh yeah. Every rose, yeah. every rose has a thorn was poison's ballad. Probably second back with something to believe in. Yep. Oh yeah. So uh, yeah, for sure. But, but, but every rose was the song that was the female song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> you know? and of course every rose came from a, and it came from a you know the next the next album of Kit, of Poison, but uh, but but look what the cat dragged in, Chris uh, was definitely uh, my opinion it is is their best album. Um, you know, like you said, they they definitely had had some good uh, some great songs off of this album. Um, and what, I love the album because their four faces were on it. Yep, they were promoting the band, promoting the image. They had the look. They had the L.A. look going, and they just had a lot going for them. And, again, they were springboarding, I mean, just literally into – and it was not just them. There were many players of different bands in the game at yeah. the same time, and they were all going after that piece of pie of, of, of selling tickets and money and who's going to outdo themselves at this time. And it was a great time for rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know one one of the cool things um, about this was um, you know uh, the the record um, of of look what the cat dragged in was described uh, by Brett Michaels as a glorified demo. Okay, um, he says that it took him twelve days. Now think about this for a minute. You know, twelve days to record 
an album. You know, that's, that's kind of crazy because nowadays, you know, you got these bands that takes them two years to put an album out. But but Poison uh, put out, look what the cat dragged in. They recorded the whole album, 12 days, in Los Angeles at the Music Grinder Studios. Uh, the producer was 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 Rick Brode, and it cost him $23,000 to record this. And part of that was actually funded from the pockets of the band members and their families. So think about that for wow. a minute. You know, Poison and their family members, they all got the money together and they re- and they they recorded this album and, you know, and this album just it took off. And and another thing like you were talking about uh about having all all the faces on, you know, on the um on the album cover, uh the front cover of the album featured the members of Poison uh in their most glammed out uh excessive makeup a girlish thick hair and, and pouting kiss lips pose and and it became a, a poison trademark and, and, and it, it did and not even beyond just the, the the makeup and lipstick and the hair it was even what they wore on stage right yes <laughs> as, yeah as well it, it had a, a female semi-touch to it <laughs> as, as, as well of how they dressed but it appealed it appealed right. to the crowd in in their audience, and, and, and still to this day, Tony, I know you've been to a ton of Poison shows. You know I've been to a ton of Poison shows, and I'm not saying Poison is predictable in their set list. They are pretty much predictable over the last several tours of what they're going to play, but everyone knows when they hit the stage, they play Look What the Cat Dragged In. Oh, yeah. And, and that's, it's that on is, mm-hmm. for the night. Yep. That And, and they, they pay tribute to the album the second they hit the stage, because that's what really launched them. And great testament exactly. to them, always opening up. I can't remember a time where they did not open up to that song. No, no. And and the cool thing about about this era of of of, of hair metal or you know rock music, um, this was the heyday of MTV. So to get a you know, I think in that and that, in, in this era. It didn't matter if the album was a hit or not, if the if the song was a hit or not. It mattered if if that if you could get that that song, make a video and get it on, on MTV, then it's going to be a hit because back then everybody was watching MTV. You know, sure, sure, people were still listening to the radio because we you know we we weren't able to stream things back then. Right. But I remember as a teenage kid, man, I'm glued to MTV. You know. My mother would have to tell me get off the you know turn off the TV because there there was there there was only two things I watched on television back then I watched MTV and I watched Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling <laughs> and, that was, and that was like you know from eighty four to eighty eight that was my life man um, and uh, you know I I would uh, have my little drum kit in my room and man I'd come home from school I'd do my homework and then man I'd go in my room and I'd beat the drums for you know my my, my parents gave me one hour a day I could go in there and play and. So for one hour a day, I'm in there playing my drums and trying to learn this music. And then all the other times, I mean, I'm sitting in front of MTV uh, waiting to, you know, to see the, a video of one of my favorite bands. And, and one of the coolest uh, concepts, Chris, um, about Poison was their, 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 their music videos. Their music videos were, were live. They were in your face. And they pretty much gave you the idea and showed you what the band was about. And, and talking about uh, Talk Dirty to Me, uh, when that video starts out, you know, you, you hear a phone ring and this, you know, this, you know, um, average parents, you know, mom answers the phone and, and you hear, you know, can I speak to Cindy or whatever the girl's name was. And then you, and then you hear her go, Cindy, it's for you. And then she looks at her husband and goes, that Brett sounds like such a nice boy. And then, the, then the camera goes over to Brett. And you know he's got that 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 devilish look on his face, like he's getting ready to just give this girl everything she's ever wanted in five minutes. <laughs> and then he's like, "Hit it, see." And and then then like and like, but before that, you know, uh, you, you hear the girl go, you know, Brett, I can't wait to get my hands all over you. And he's like, "Hit it, see, see." And then mm-hmm. and then they go right in to talk dirty to me. And man, and that and that and that video is just in your face. Uh, so I mean it's so cool. Um, just a great video. Um, and then uh, the next the the next video off that album. Um, 
is um I won't forget you and that 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 song what I like about that video is it gives you the idea it kind of shows you what it's like to live on the road and if you look at that video Chris I don't know if you paid attention but if you look real close um in that video I won't forget you uh someone from another big band makes a cameo in that video and I'm talking about Paul Stanley from Kiss is on stage with Poison playing guitar. Uh I'm not really sure where they were at when they were filming this this concert or this music video, but I thought it was cool to see Paul Stanley uh, on stage with with Poison. And I think seeing that let everyone know that hey, Poison's not this 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 isn't going going to be, you know, flavor of the month. This band's definitely going to be around a while because Paul Stanley Who's in Kiss? Who's been already been out for twenty years? Man, he's you know, he's on stage with them, so they they got to be something, you know. Absolutely. I mean, God. I mean, there's just so much on this album you could talk about. I won't forget you is a great song. Uh, it's it's actually a little bit of a sad song as well. Yes, I mean it's a br- it. It's a breakup song. <laughs> I mean, it really yeah, is. It, 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 yeah, it is. It is. And I mean, it's like, um, you know, you know, because you got, look what the cat dragged in as a party song. Even Talk Dirty to Me is a party song. And I Want Action is kind of a party song. And then you got this I Won't Forget You. Right, yeah. You know, and it, it, it's, it's, it's kind of half rock, half ballad. Um, it wasn't their biggest ballad. But it hit home at the end of the day. Right, yeah. You know, um, no matter what side of the equation you were on, um, great songs still on the set list. I mean, there's several songs still on the set list that they play today to just pay tribute to this album. Um, you, you know, whether it's at the start of the set or in the middle or wherever it might fall. Um, I did hear them play Cry Tough a couple of times uh, early on in the um Early uh, late '90s, early 2000s, when I saw Poison, they've now taken it out of the set list. The last couple of tours for some other, uh, um, put in some other songs or some tribute songs. But I mean, what a great album! I mean, it's uh, it's it's their epic. It starts career, <laughs> pretty yeah. much, into, into into making even bigger songs beyond that. We talk about every rose, something to believe in. Mm-hmm. And then into other albums beyond that, and uh, hey, give it up to Brett. Thirty-five years later, they're still doing it. Yeah, so. I mean, and and you know, in this day and time, Poison. Uh, if you go look at them, I mean, they look like they haven't they haven't aged at all. <laughs> I mean, they look. You know, you go see them in concert, and Brett is you know, he's a hundred miles an hour on stage the whole time. Um, right. You know, and and Chris, that's one of the things why I was looking so forward to this stadium tour was and i think you and i t- talked about this kind of off the air but um but when you go to this you know if, if the studio if this stadium tour does take place poison's going to be the band that is going to you know leave it for everyone else to follow right and, and you know and we and we talked earlier about you two the original band okay kiss we know it's gene simmons paul stanley up front we know it's not the original Kiss touring today, but you look at Poison, you kind of got the original four. Yep, <laughs> on you definitely. You got all of them. Yep. <laughs> From day one with Brett Michaels, you got CeCe DeVille, Bobby Dahl, Ricky Rocket on the drums. <laughs> it's, it, you know, fans just don't get to see that in this day and age. No. And you have to, you have to embrace that no matter what, because these guys five years from now may not even be around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's true. And, and, you know, Chris, one thing I want to touch on, uh, on, on this, you know, we're talking about, I won't forget you. There's a line there. There, there's actually two lines, um, in that song that have always, you know, in, in all the years of all my, all my relationships, uh, most are, not around you know gone or whatever when it ended um i lived off you know i sat there and thought man you know what happened you know how 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 could this relationship do this or go this way or you know why but there's a line in that song that when i when i hear this and i read it 
Um, it, it really makes sense. Uh, and it says, um, it's better to have lost that love than never to have loved at all. Um, and, man, th- those words are very strong. I mean, they really are. Yeah, and, and those resonate with the fans. Right. And it resonates with females. It resonates with males probably in a different way yeah. than women. Let's, let's be realistic here. Right. Women take things a lot more personally, and, and males do too, but there are lines in songs. There's lines in songs that, that resonate with me. Brian Adams comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you walk in the room, your eyes cut me like diamonds. Yeah, <laughs> you know right. There's just, yeah. there's just things that resonate, and they stick in your mind over and over and over and over again, but that's what keeps you connected Mm-hmm. with that band, with that song, whatever they're doing, and keeps you coming back for more yeah. at, at the end of the day. And, and and I think that's with everyone, no matter what your genre of music is, whether it's rock and roll or, or, or it might be rap or country or, or, or whatever it might be or top 40, it's going to resonate with you and it resonates right in your soul because it really connects you to what you're experiencing in your life, realistically, to what they experience in their life, maybe not the same exact thing, mm-hmm. but you can relate to it. Relate to it, and 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 that's that's one of the things about songs uh, that that kind of stand the test of time with me is like the songs that really stand out to me are the songs I can relate to, and like I hear lyrics and I'm like, oh yeah, I've been there, or I can see myself there, you know, um, right. You know, back in my wild, crazy days, love them and leave them. That was man. That was my theme song. <laughs> you know, uh, from rock and roll over. That was me, baby, all the way. You know, to the point. You know, um, and then you know, as I got a little older, I was still right. You know, you know? and 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 even like Chris, I, you know, when I first uh, went to wrestling school and and was was being trained to wrestle, um, going there, I already knew in my mind who I was going to be, and it wasn't terrific, Tony. I was going to be right. called Dr. Love Tony Binge. That was going to be my gimmick. And I was going to come out to Dr. Love by Kiss and all this kind of, And the promoter was like, "Not you're not ready for that yet. You, you, you know, I need, you to come, I need you to come up with something different. Because, uh, you know, Dr. Love, I, 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 I don't think that's going to work. But but I you know I had the concept for the whole thing you know in my mind I was gonna come out to calling Doctor Love out. Uh, yeah I was gonna come out to calling Doctor Love I was gonna have like a doctor coat with a big heart on the back and you know and and and, and my my uh, my uh, finisher was was gonna be a pile driver but it was gonna be called the Love Gun I mean I I had I had all this I had all this gimmick in my mind of how it was gonna be um, and and no one. I've never told anybody this story. No one besides me and that promoter uh, knew that I was going to call myself Doctor Love and and the, my idea for the gimmick. And you know, here we are. You know, I've been wrestling now for twenty some years, and uh, I've been terrific, right. been terrific, Tony. I've had a couple hood gimmicks, but uh, you know, I, I think back, going, man, you know, what if I'd been Doctor Love? And and I know, Chris. The the promoter was smart and telling me not to be Doctor Love because back in those days I would have lived out that gimmick. I wouldn't have just been Doctor Love in the ring. I'd have been Doctor Love, you know, all over. And I guess I probably was back in those days. But but man, you know. Right. Uh, but but but, but, it, but it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah, but yeah, but but you know that's the thing about music and and about all this stuff because you know everyone can relate to to lyrics, you know. You, you, you may not can relate to a movie. You may not can relate to, you know, um, a book. But, man, you, you, you put a song on or an album on, and you, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to relate to that a whole lot quicker than you are anything else. Um, and, oh, absolutely. And speaking of relating. And you keep remembering it. And you know what? They just keep playing in your mind without you thinking about it. Right, 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 for sure. Uh, for, for sure. Now, uh, before but, – but before we go on to the, to the very last um, album that we're going to break down, uh, I've got a quick little sound bite that I want to play for everybody. Uh, I hope everyone out there is um, is downloading our show each week um, and 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 liking our Facebook page because on there, you know, I always try to put um, you know things about our show and and what the upcoming show is going to be about. Um, this week, I, 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 because of the holiday and a lot of other stuff going on, I 
forgot to do it basically but but definitely you know people go out there and um like our page and download our 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 um our our shows on your favorite podcast platform um and you know and let us know i mean let you know go on our facebook page and say hey you know you guys need to stop talking about this or please talk about this well, you know tell us about that and you know chris and i will definitely do our best to, to give you what you want so anyway fans just uh just 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 check this out and when chris and i come back we are going to be breaking down the final album of this show Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. Strap yourself in because we're set up, switched on, and ready to go. All right, fans, we are back here on the Binge Buster Show. And, Chris, the final album on this week's show uh, I saved um, because this album has got so much, um, uh, so, it, it like, talking about earlier about how we you know live through music and stuff and uh, i would have to say that this album um it, it was definitely me for a long time um i could relate to a lot of songs on this album um but the album cover itself was always like how i how i perceived myself to look <laughs> when i got older um but i'm talking about motley Crue's girls 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 the album was released may 15th 1987 um they recorded it it took them about a year to record it uh from november 86 to february 87 um and then it was later on released may the 15th uh and of course uh if anybody watched the movie the dirt you'll know why it took them so long to record girls 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 uh nikki was pretty uh was pretty messed up during that time but but even being so messed up, uh, Nikki wrote a number two album. That's right, fans. Girls, Girls, Girls uh, made it to number two on the Billboard charts. Um, the only other album that beat them out was Whitney Houston. Now, I don't know about you, Chris. Whitney Houston was okay, but there ain't no way in the world that that woman should have been number one. It should have been Motley Crue because Girls, Girls, Girls album was the, you know, to this day is probably my favorite Motley Crue album besides Shout the Devil. Uh, so much uh, great songs came from this album. Chris, what are your thoughts on Girls, Girls, Girls? Tony, where do you start on this album? Um, this was the album that, if you're a guy like me growing up, wanted to be a part of. This was. The fantasy, this what they were living the dream. They were already living the dream. This brought the dream that much higher. Yeah this this but, this was this was Motley <laughs> Crue telling you what their life, showing you what their life's about. You know, uh, back right. then it was it was strip clubs, it was girls, it was fast cars, girls, bikinis, yes. naked. This was sex, drugs, rock and roll, alcohol. You name it, there were no rules at this point. I mean, no. it was it no. was on. You're talking motorcycles, big wheels, big spokes, loud, a lot, a lot of noise, and a couple of great hits came off of this album that were already supporting everything else that they were doing, and it just took them because they were coming off the Shout of the Devil and the Theater of Pain albums already, right? And then this thing just put them to platinum status. I mean, it, it, it was just off the hook at this point. Yeah, and and also the cool thing about this album was like like we talked about with Poison, it was that time of MTV and music videos that you know you had to get a you had to get your video on MTV because that would help you promote your album and also help you promote your concerts. And I remember uh, hearing an interview with Nikki Six, and they were like, you know, they were playing with MTV. They said they um they when they went and shot the video for Girls Girls Girls, they in the can they had two different versions. They had the crazy over the top, total topless, nude type video, and then they had the clean version. But right. Nikki being Nikki said, Hey, let's send M T V the version of the naked chicks and just see what happens. <laughs> you know? And of right. course M T V's like, uh no, we can't play this. All right, well, you know, we got this other one too, and they gave it. 
Okay, we'll play that. But I, w- I want to give you fans a little, um, and you too, Chris, if I haven't told you this story before. But when I went out to, to L.A. Um, during the uh, Motley Crue final tour, uh, my, my buddy Alton and I decided to, you know, uh, get in on one of these um, uh, tours of Hollywood type van we get in the van you go and i sit up front with the with the with the tour guide and i'm asking her all kinds of questions and um so here's a here's a cool story okay so when motley crew filmed uh girls 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 they filmed it in multiple strip clubs throughout los angeles and in fort lauderdale um you know they they went down to tattletales in fort lauderdale but they didn't really do anything inside it was just like an outside shot um, but when you go uh, and you watch this video uh, at the at the end of it, you you, uh, you see them sitting on their Harleys on the side of the street outside of a strip club, and this, these two chicks walk down the, the sidewalk, and then you know that and that's the part where uh, where Vince goes, "Hey Tommy, check that out, man!" And Vince was, and Tommy's like, "What Vince? Where? Right there!" And well, that part of the video was filmed at the strip club in L.A. Uh, or actually in Hollywood uh, called the Body Shop. Now, when I got to California, that was like the first thing I was going to find. Not because I wanted to go into the strip club, but I wanted to see. <laughs> I wanted to see if that strip club looked the same as it did in this video. And Chris, it looked identical. There was nothing. Nothing had changed. It looked the same. The only difference was I was there at Christmas time, and they had freaking Christmas decorations all over the sign, and it pissed me off because I wanted to take a picture of the sign. To make it to, for it to look just like it looked, you know, um, in the right. video. But the cool thing about this video was the tour guide told us, and you'll love this. This is going to crack you up. So the body shop is a strip club, but they do not serve alcohol. You have to BYOB. You bring your own bottle. You pay them. They they store it. So basically, you pay for your booze twice, right? So when Motley Crue decided to film Girls, 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 um, according to our tour guide, uh, this is what happened. So Motley Crue would go in the strip club and they would film their certain parts of the show or the 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 the, the video. And in between takes, Nikki and Tommy uh, would walk across the street to this Mexican restaurant called. Are you ready for the name for this name of this place? It's across the road from a strip club, and the name of the place is called the Pink Taco. Mm-hmm. That is the name of this place. So Nikki and Tommy were walking across the street from the strip club, drinking booze at a Pink Taco, going back across the street to the strip club. Well, you know, seeing the Pink Taco over there too, but doing filming the girls, girls, girls video. They weren't. That they, even though they were filming, they still weren't allowed to bring alcohol, you know, bring their, you know. And I told her, I said, well, that makes no sense because if they're filming a concert, it looks like they'd be able to do everything they want in the strip club and they got to walk across the street. But Nikki and Tommy kept walking across the street and held up production. According to my, now, I, I've never read any, I've never read any of this. This is just from what my tour guide told us. But but she used the words, Nikki Six and Tommy Lee kept going to the Pink Taco and and getting plastered <laughs> in between the you know filming the girls 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 video. Well, I thought that was really cool. Um, so when I got to L.A., uh, the first thing I wanted to do was find these uh, strip clubs that was filmed on my favorite uh, my favorite Molly Crew album, Girls Girls Girls. So I, I was lucky. I found um, I found the um, the body shop. It's still there, same location. Uh, I found the Seventh Veil, which it was not in the same location as the original one, and I looked for because in the Motley Crue song it said Tommy says, um, I mean, sorry, Vince speak, speaks about uh, you know um, losing his heart at the Tropicana, uh, which is where his wife at the time, Sharice Riddell, uh, worked as a mud wrestler. I, did, I wasn't able to find that place; I, it must have shut down, but. But that that but when when I went to L.A. that was my goal. My goal was hey, I got to find these places where Motley Crue filmed their videos and the best video ever filmed. Girls, girls, girls. I got to get there. Um, and you know, this album uh, 
had so many great tracks off of it, Chris. I'm you know from Wild Side, Girls, 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 it, Dancing on Glass. It, it, I mean, it was just it was like a greatest hits of Motley Crue, and 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 how this album didn't make number one, it it is it's a travesty, um, because this album definitely has stood the test of time. Um, you know, when when you hear Girls, 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 and you hear the motorcycle crank up, and then they go into that guitar riff, uh, man, it's just like you know it's 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 good fun times, and then Wild Side. Uh, you know, that song was written, uh, Nikki wrote that song. It's kind of like a, a, an ode to the, uh, to the Lord's prayer, just changed the words around and made it a song and, um, you know, just great stuff. No, it is, it is totally, uh, totally, totally great stuff and uh, several great hits, um, into the final tour for Motley Crue with, with them and Wildside was strategically placed second on the set list. I would, I would say going into the final tour, Mm -hmm. um, just by the way they went into things and how they were doing things, but they kind of opened up with that all a lot as well into their shows too, that I saw them Wildside would always be the opener or even live wire, which was off of a, a different album. But with that said, Tony, when I, every time I go to Atlanta, I have to stop at Tattletales in Atlanta. Still there. Still got girls, girls, girls out front. I think they're still living off of the MTV video for about the 15 seconds they made that portion of the video. Um, I, I have to go. I just even stopped in just for a beer just to say I was there. It, Tattletales does not look at all like it does when they shot the video but at least you could say they're there. And I, I think the management still thinks that right. <laughs> they're yeah. living off of it a little bit as well. Well, you know, so, and, and good, and good, good, good for that. Right. Right. And Chris, you know, one of the things I, that I've heard Nikki six say, Nikki six, uh, say in a couple different interviews was when they released girls, 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 that song became the most played out, the most played song in strip clubs all over the world. Because that, yeah. it, the girls, 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 is the strip club anthem. It's just, it really is. I mean, you know. And I remember when when I when I was like you know in '87 when that album when I first got that album, and it was funny too, Chris. So I, I know I uh, I know you listeners at home. If if you listened to some of my previous shows, you heard how I got turned on the Motley Crue and how I got my first Motley Crue album, which was Shout the Devil. I traded it for a GI Joe. Okay, but um. But, you know, at that time, I was a young kid. I didn't understand that the bands put out more than one album, right? So one day, I'm I'm with my uncle. I'm probably, you know, this is 87, so I'm like in middle school. And I'm with my uncle. We're at the flea market. And back in the 80s, you had people at the flea market that, that sold bootleg, you know, fake cassette tapes. And, yes, you young listeners at home, there used to be a thing such as a cassette tape, not CDs and not streaming music. But so you, so us kids lived for a cassette tape. I, and 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 crazy Chris, I still have all of my cassette tapes are at my mom's house. But I still have all of them. But I was with my uncle at the flea market, and we ended up uh, looking at this guy that had a bunch of blank or all, all these fake uh, cassette tapes. And he had Motley Crue girls, girls, girls. And I was like, what is this? And I picked it up and. When I picked it up and looked at the album cover and I see these four guys sitting on a Harley Davidson, I'm like, Oh, this this would be cool. And I'm like, Hey, uh, how much are these tapes? And he goes like two fifty? I'm like, Yeah, I'll take this one. So I buy the Girls, Girls, Girls album, I get home, I put it in, and man, when Wild Side comes on, I'm like, Whoa, this song sounds cool. And then Girls, 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 I hear it. And then next thing you know, I'm hearing Girls, Girls, Girls all over the radio and I'm like Yep, my favorite band is now Motley Crue, <laughs> and they and they have been ever since. And um, and you know this and on, I, on their final tour. I mean, the final tour, the first two songs were "Girls, Girls, Girls" and "Wildside." Yeah, yeah, because those two consistently songs consistently every night. Yep, I would say because when you hear those songs live, it just gives you goosebumps. It makes you stand up. You just want to, you know, you just want to rock out because "Wildside" is just you know, um, and. Uh, it's just one of those. It's that. It's that song. It's just like, and and when you listen to Wild Side, it's almost like a machine going down the road. It's like, you know, you, you, hear, you, hear, you for, hear that bass for the line. Final tour. If you weren't in your seats for the first song, then 
you missed out with girls, girls, girls. Right. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Because that's that's kind of how they started it out. They started out with girls. Planned ahead and been in your seats and ready to go. And mm-hmm. Wildside, great song, and it leads into so many other hits beyond that. And then it just kind of took off, went from yep. there. The rest of the yep. night. And and they and they and and on this album, there were so many good songs um, that again stand the test of time. Bad Boy Boogie, Dancing on Glass, um, and a lot of these songs that that were written on this album, Nikki Six wrote from his heart. It was a lot of things that he was going through at the time. I mean, you know, dancing on glass. That he was talking, and that 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 song was about his heroin addiction. Um, Bad boy boogie is a, is a song about him. You know, uh, you know, basically them just uh, you know <laughs> being like pimps and and just banging all the chicks and and then all the name of rock and roll because that's really all they were doing back in those days. They were living for the stage and they was living for you know to get that next high to the next town and. Um, but the one song, you know, you, that, you know, you always got to have a ballad. Um, and on this album was Motley Crue's, um, you're all I need. Now this was back in the days of MTV, kind of like censoring a lot of stuff. And even though this song was a really cool song, um, they did make a video for it, but the video was banned from MTV, Chris. Really? I did not know that. Yes, you're all I need was banned by MTV because um, they MTV uh, said that it it promoted uh, killing your girlfriend when she breaks up with you because that's basically what the song is about. And um, but but what other people don't really don't realize was at the time Nikki was dating I believe Vanity, and um, she ended up going with uh, breaking up with Nikki and going with. Um, the guy that was on General, I think General Hospital, but he was like a little pop sing, pop singer, and he had a song called "You're All I Need." I think his name was Jack. Jack, um, I, his name, his name, his name uh, skits me for right now. But, um, but he had the song in you know on 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 the radio. You're all I need, and that kind of deal. And um, so Nikki wrote the same song. You're all I need, but he twisted it up and basically said, you know, you break up with me, I kill you, kind of thing, and give it the vanity, you know, and 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 if you go back and watch the, the have, have have Chris have have you ever seen the video for this song? No, I never have. Oh man, you got to see it. So so when the video starts off, you know, it's like it looks like a news bulletin, a breaking news, a murder, and like you see them like putting out the the tape, um, and it says the video. Uh, and the video is actually shot in black and white, which is which also gives you that dark side of this video, and and it depicts a man killing his his girlfriend with a kitchen knife, right? Um, it doesn't show him stab her, but it does show him grab the kitchen knife and go after her, um, and then uh, then he start, he starts taking the pictures of her off the wall, and 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 his hands are covered in blood, and he throw, starts throwing her pictures in the fireplace. And he's just sitting there burning her pictures when the cops finally break in and and uh, and, and into the house and arrest him. Uh, and then the paramedics put the dead woman in a body bag, and the man is hauled away in front of the of all these onlookers. Um, uh, but it says though the though though the murder was not shown on screen, MTV banned it due 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 to it being a violent nature and and the lyrics of the song. Um, but when you listen to the song, man, it's like, it sounds like a love song. Darn, I did not know that. You just clued me in. I thought I had no idea. Yeah, dude. When, when, so, when we get done this history there. Yeah. When you, when we get done this podcast and you go on YouTube and just Google, you're all I need and watch the video, it, dude, it'll blow your mind. You're like, holy moly. This is, this is something else. But, um, but again, it was a great song, um, that made it on the album and, uh, you know, and then of course, you know, if when you talk about the tour, this was like the first time that 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 Tommy really started putting the drum kit and his drum solos, you know, out there. Yeah, yeah. And he hired NASA. Uh, NASA actually are the ones that 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 built this drum kit that spun. And uh, mm-hmm. and in the video Wild Side, it 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 it, it you know it shows you how that drum. Went out over the crowd, but it also turned, you know. And and Tommy's like, but when you go see the show, Tom, you hear Tommy go, you 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 know, you play it to the left, you can play it to the right, you won't see this thing spin, and like really that that going to a Motley Crue show, I think from '87 
that's when you really started noticing, hey, these guys are putting everything they got into these shows. Absolutely. And God, just to think, girls, 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 and then the next album, Dr. Feelgood, holy crap. Yeah. I don't know it was even in their past. Yeah, it was yeah. Just, it was craziness at this point. Yeah, yeah. But during it, you know, during this tour was definitely when the whole band was just a total mess. Uh, if you go back and, and watch some of the um, – the interviews that where they talk about it. I mean, even their their manager at the time, Doc McGee, said, "Hey, if we take these guys to Europe, one of them's going to come back in a body bag." And right, um, and he was probably not far off of the no, mark. I'm no, that. he wasn't. And and shortly and and shortly after this is actually when Nikki Six did overdose and die, and was dead for a few minutes, but he was able to be brought back to life with the uh, adrenaline needle. Thus, that's when they went and got clean. And they came back with like what you talked about, the Dr. Feelgood album, and maybe on our next podcast or podcast down the road, uh, you and I can break down the Dr. Feelgood album because there's so much to talk about on that one. Oh. Uh, I mean, they were clean the first time, a clean Motley Crew rocking it out. I mean, they they were they were they were hitting on all cylinders. Wow! Yeah, this is uh. Wow, we kind of touched it all tonight. We really, uh, I think we kind of did a little bit of the gamut. We cover some 70s and the 80s, you know, some hardcore rock and roll, some top 40 rock and roll. I think we really covered the gamut tonight. Yeah. It's been, for, a, I think, a really good selection. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I appreciate your, your thoughts on these albums and uh, and everything. And, and fans, again, make sure you download us on, our, um, on your favorite podcast platform. Next week, uh, tune in. Chris and I will be, will be talking about some other stuff, I'm sure. Maybe some more albums, maybe some more wrestling. Who knows? But just make sure you tune in next week to find out. And we'll see you next week on the Binge Buster Show. Thank you for listening to the Binge Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.